I wonder uh, today, what, what do you think about leadership? What do you think about leadership? Uh, this weekend, we have been celebrating uh, the reign of Elizabeth, our queen. And looking back, I think we can all agree, can't we, that not only has her reign been extraordinary, but her leadership has been exemplary. As I've said again and again, she is an extraordinary woman, the likes of whom we may never see again. And so it's right that we take time to celebrate and to give thanks for her life, her witness, her leadership, and her reign. As we think about leadership today, uh, there are no doubt exam- other examples of good leadership out there that may s- spring to mind. But at the same time, I wonder if it's sometimes even easier to think of other people, both near and far, who have not led just so well. Whether that's because of moral failings or bad decisions or simply through a, a lack of care and compassion for other people, whether it's because power has gone to their heads or the color of money has become their main driver. Or maybe it's because they simply couldn't tell the truth or follow up on the promises that they have made and they lost the trust of their people. Or maybe it's something as simple as having said the wrong thing or maybe the right thing wrongly. Or maybe it's because they didn't take a stand for what was right and instead chose to try to save face and protect their reputation and their position and their power. As we look around us today, it's all too easy to find examples of bad leadership, and and we see the devastation that that kind of leadership leaves in its wake. And sadly, this isn't just the case in the secular world out there, but also in the wider church as well. As scandals have hit headlines near and far about abuse and hurt and, and moral failings. And whenever this happens, it's devastating. Because failures in leadership leave people wounded and, and sometimes even cause them to walk away from the church. And sometimes even from Christ. And if you've had a bad experience of leadership either in this church or or any other, I want to start by saying I'm sorry about that. And I hope that as we follow Christ together, we might together find healing and restoration from those experiences. Also, it needs to be said that just because there are some bad examples of leadership out there in the church, it, it doesn't mean that the church in the wider sense doesn't have some great, amazing faithful leaders. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn how to somehow honor them better. So as we continue in our series, uh, Love Your Church Today, we we now turn to this whole area of leadership, what it means to be a faithful leader and what it means to honor them well. What does that look like? And as we do, we'll think about uh, what you, you should expect of me, and of leaders here in in this church, as well as what we should then expect of you as a church member. Because this is what Peter now focuses on in our passage at the beginning of his first letter there in chapter 5. Peter has been trying to encourage Christians in the face of great persecution in those days, even in the face of suffering, uh, that we have hope 
Even in the darkest times, we have hope because we have Christ. In Christ, God's saving promises are now ours. And by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, Christ's death and his resurrection have been applied to our lives. And so we can be confident that we have life in Jesus' name. No matter what we face, we can live faithfully and joyfully as the new people of God, the body of Christ, and we can stand firm even in the face of suffering. And now in chapter 5, Peter looks at the relationship between elders and their churches, and he begins by highlighting the elder's task. What's the elder's task? Elders or pastors are simply leaders whom God has called to lead and shepherd his people well. Verse 2. And they're to lead and shepherd under the leadership of our chief shepherd, verse 4, who is Jesus Christ. When it comes to fulfilling this task, one thing is for sure, and I think we all know this instinctively. A shepherd won't be any good unless he or she knows their sheep, unless they care for and feed their sheep, unless they love and lead and protect their sheep. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But as Peter continues, he tells us in verses 2 and 3 how that task of shepherding the flock will be carried out by telling us what a good shepherd looks like, by pointing to a shepherd's heart, the heart of a shepherd. And he says that a good shepherd needs to be willing to lead, eager to serve, and committed to setting an example. Let's look at that first quality together uh, that lies at the heart of a pastor. They need to be willing to lead, verse 2. To be a willing leader means that when it comes to doing the work of a pastor or leader in the church, you do it willingly, not out of a sense of obligation, uh, not uh, a sense that you've been pressured into doing something that you don't really want to do, or just because you think, well, someone has to do it, I guess it'll be me. To be a willing leader means that you are responding first and foremost to a deep sense of call in your life, a call from God to lead his people, a call that's been tested and a call that's been recognized by those who are in authority over you, a call that you've responded to, believing in faith that he who calls is able to equip you and to keep you and to enable to carry, the task, uh, carry out the task that he has called you to do which of course is no easy thing. The fact that Paul, Peter's words to elders come right at the back of his discussion on suffering at the end of chapter 4 should indicate to us that being called to be a pastor, a leader of God's people, is no easy life. Peter knows that being called to lead will sometimes mean hard times ahead. There will be persecution and trouble aimed at you from outside the church as you seek to be obedient to God's word and to teach his people to live lives of faithful obedience to him. 
but as you see to, uh, the, the, as you continue to shepherd the, the flock, there will also be trouble from within as well. Sometimes leaders, as they seek to faithfully lead their people into a deeper walk and devotion with the Lord Jesus Christ, to times of greater refreshing in him, things can go wrong. And the shepherd can get hurt because sometimes sheep bite. Pastoring and shepherding the flock isn't easy. Sometimes it requires leading people to places that they naturally of themselves don't want to go. But where they need to go for their own good. Sometimes it requires calling people to turn back from dangerous ways of living or calling people to turn away from unhealthy thinking or from unhelpful relationships or commitments in life or from philosophies and ideologies that undermine the gospel or from behaviors that threaten the unity of the church, all of which pull us away from Christ and jeopardize our relationship with him, ultimately threatening even to damage the beauty of the bride of Christ, his church. If you're anything like me, you don't like being told when you're wrong. You don't like being told that you need to turn away from doing something that you might rather like doing, but it's actually pulling you away from Jesus. You don't like being told to turn away from hurtful, harmful things that you're doing. But good leaders are charged to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to encourage people to live for him. And sometimes this can lead to conflict and pain. Other times after pointing people to Christ and and encouraging them to grow into greater Christ-likeness, pastors see little or no fruit for their labor. It seems like or feels like sometimes that nothing is happening. And that too can be hard. Peter says that good leaders, faithful leaders, need to be willing to lead. We go into leadership with our eyes wide open, knowing that the call to be a shepherd of the flock is no easy gig. It's hard work, and it's a road marked with suffering and pain. But should that surprise us? Verse 1, Peter refers to Christ's suffering. Should our lives be any different than his? No. Leadership, like the Christian life, is a road marked with suffering. So, please, pray for me. Pray for Christian leaders around the world. Pray that we will embrace our calling willingly, that we will know Christ's presence and power to stand up under suffering, that we'll always keep any suffering we may experience in perspective, focusing not on the suffering but on our future hope our future glory when Christ returns, verse 4. So the first thing is that uh, at a pastor or leader's heart is they need to be willing to lead. The second thing Peter tells us is that they need to be eager to serve. They're not out for selfish interest or shameful gain, nor for status or position. Whoever thought about being a pastor in order to find your way up the ranks in high society. No, they simply long to serve Christ and his church and to point people to him. 
for the faithful leader in Christ's church, it's not about me. It's not about my reputation. It's about Christ and about his glory. Faithful Christian leadership is not about desire for dishonest or, or shameful gain. Uh, it's not about any sense of greed. Uh, that's out of the question. That's why, you know, when we hear stories of Christian leaders who become more well-known for how big their income is or how many cars they have or houses or their lavish lifestyles, we should be concerned. Because that's not what it's about. And whilst pastors have the right to be looked after, And to be looked after well, you you don't become a a shepherd of the flock of Christ for the money or for what it can do for you. Those who who are called to lead and pastor his people should be eager to serve. And when we think about service, our minds this weekend, of course, turn to the life of Elizabeth, our queen. From her 21st birthday in 1947, uh, in her radio broadcast, she has dedicated her life to the service of her people. And there you'll remember, it's been uh, repeated over and over again through these last few days on the news and, and the broadcast. She said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. But of course, she knew that she could only do that well if she followed in Christ's footsteps and with his help and the support of her people. And so she continued by saying, but I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. Our faithful queen has modeled her life on the servant leadership of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as faithful leaders are also called to do as we seek to point others to Christ, our servant king, who gave everything and who suffered even death on the cross for you. And for me, so that we might live. Faithful Christian leadership is servant leadership. It follows the pattern that Christ set before us, which leads nicely to the third mark of a Christian leader. Faithful Christian leaders are committed to being and setting an example, living a life that is worthy of being followed. Christian leaders and pastors are are first and foremost disciples of Jesus Christ. Like our faithful Queen Elizabeth, we follow in the footsteps of our servant King, Jesus. And like our Queen, we humbly serve our people and we invite them to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. The best leaders are the ones who know how to be led. And you know how to be led by Christ. And how then to lead their people to him in turn. Faithful leaders love their people. They want the best for them. Because at the end of the day, that's what good shepherds do. They lead their sheep to still waters, as we hear in the shepherd's Psalm 23. 
They lead their sheep to green pastures. They ensure that they're well-nourished, well-kept, well-cared for. They ensure to the best of their ability that their sheep are, are, are healthy, that they have the appropriate rest that they need, and that they're kept safe from all harm. But that will never happen, Peter tells us in verse 3, if leaders are domineering or if they lord it over their people or if they're abusive to those that God has entrusted to their care. Good leadership isn't harsh. It's not dictatorial. It's not about greed for power. No, it's it's about using God-given authority to build up the flock to confidently lead them to the rock that is higher than I as they faithfully teach the word, and as they proclaim the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as they point people to the hope that we have found in him. And in all of this, faithful leaders lead not from a place of power, but by the power of example, as they live holy lives before God, lives that are worthy of imitation. Of course, we need to be clear here. This doesn't mean that faithful pastors are perfect. Of all people, Peter knew this. Remember back to the night before Jesus was crucified on the cross when Peter himself denied Christ three times. He could have sunk no lower. And when he realized what he had done, he was devastated. But then after Jesus rose from the dead, we read in John chapter 21 of how Jesus appeared to his disciples on the shore early that morning on a beach and and how he forgave Peter and how he recommissioned him to a life of leadership and service. Uh, Peter wasn't canceled, but he was a leader who had sinned, who had repented, who had been restored and who knew that one day when Christ returned, he would share with Christ in his glory. Brothers and sisters, pastors don't always get it right. I don't always get it right because none of us are perfect. Sometimes even faithful leaders falter, fall, and disappoint. We all have bad days. But faithful leaders know they're not perfect, and so they live their lives humbly before God, looking to him daily for mercy and grace and forgiveness and strength to go on. They submit to Christ's loving discipline in their lives. They receive forgiveness when it is needed. They stumble and fall, and and they rely upon Christ's strength to continue living for him and signposting people to him. At the end of the day, pastors are called to be humble servant leaders like Christ, laying down their lives for their people. But they know that at the end of the day, it will all be worth it. Because no matter what hardship or suffering, no matter the ups and downs, no matter the highs and lows, the end of it all, as Peter tells us in verse 4, they will be rewarded with an unfading crown of glory in Christ's heavenly kingdom when he returns. It's not all rainbows and unicorns on this side, but there is great reward in heaven. There is joy when we see God's people growing into greater Christ-likeness and following him, but there is even greater joy 
when Christ returns. This is what a faithful leader looks like, a shepherd servant of God's people, willing to lead, eager to serve, worthy of being followed. Brothers and sisters, this is what I hope to be. And yet, like Peter, I know my flaws and limitations, and so I look to Christ, and I value your prayers and your support as I seek to shepherd you well, which leads us to what pastors should expect of their people and what I expect of you. Because as Peter continues in verse 5, he speaks to those who are younger. Here he's probably not talking necessarily about those who are younger in age, but younger in spiritual maturity. He highlights those who are younger and less mature in faith, probably because he knows those who are more mature will be more likely uh, to naturally respond readily to their pastor's leadership. And so, to those who need to be reminded, he calls you to faithfully submit to those faithful shepherds who are leading well among you, who are trying hard, clothing yourself in humility towards them and to others. As we've already heard, this, of course, doesn't mean that pastors are always right, nor does it mean that you are to follow me or any other leader unquestioningly. What it does mean is that if you have an issue with me or any other Christian leader, or if you question uh, the direction or vision of the church, you need to come to your leaders and you need to work it out humbly and graciously, not arrogantly, not angrily, not nastily or spitefully, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. As Tony Merida in his book, uh, Love Your Church, Uh, that we've been reflecting on over this series, hopefully comments. He says, some feel that they should challenge their church leaders over everything, while others deem them as practically infallible and beyond correction. Humility navigates between the two. And so the author of Hebrews writes, saying, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give on account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. In a church that is blessed with having faithful pastors shepherding their flock, Merida concludes several, uh, with several pointers, several helpful uh, gifts, I think, to how church members can best respond and honor their leaders. And so I submit these pointers to you this morning and hope they will be helpful. First off, respect faithful pastors. Respect faithful pastors. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13, Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them and the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Where you see leadership being carried out well in a way that reflects biblical principles following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, you should respect such leaders. You should honor them and follow their leadership and their example. Respect faithful Pastors. Secondly, love your pastors. There in verse 
uh, 13 of that same passage. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Love your pastors. The honor due them is not a distant one, but a warmth of love. For they care for you. They give their lives for you. They work hard for you, not just one day a week. (laughs) Pastors are called to love their people, and their people are called to love them. Thirdly, follow your pastor's example. Again, Hebrews 13, uh, and now in verse 7, we hear these words. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. As Paul also said in, in 1 Corinthians 4, which I believe was quoted at the service on Friday for the, for the Queen on, on national TV, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so let's study together and know God's word. Let's obey it and and together follow godly examples. Uh, Peter invites you to consider a leader's life and conduct, their love, their purity, their faith, and to follow their example as you seek to become more like Jesus. Fourthly, uh, be a joy to your pastor. Be a joy to your pastor. Again, the writer uh, of Hebrews reminded us in chapter 13, verse 17, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. You should obey your leader as one who keeps watch over your soul so that their job would be a joy. Again, uh, Merida points out here really helpfully that we should avoid being a burden to them by opposing their teaching. Avoid burdening your pastor by refusing to attend gatherings. Avoid being quarrelsome and divisive, whether in person or online or behind their back. Avoid gossip. Refuse uh, to enter into and participate in rumors and backbiting. Don't burden pastors by failing to contribute to the church's financial uh, ministry. Financially. Uh, Avoid being a burden by undermining or refusing to engage in the church's mission. Uh, As pastors do their work, be mindful of their calling and recognize that they seek your good for the glory of God. So give them the benefit of the doubt. If, If I say something or do something that you think doesn't come across just right, give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm not trying to hurt you. I love you. I want the best for you. Give me the benefit of the doubt. If it doesn't come across right, let's talk about it. Let's sort it out. And let pastors have the joy of seeing you sitting humbly under the teaching of the word, repenting and changing as you do so. Encourage your pastor. Uh, Let them know you appreciate them. Finally, be willing to serve and show it by giving generously of yourself and by doing the little things well. At the end of the day, we remember that it is Christ our Lord whom we're serving. 
Lastly, let me close with this. As I've already asked you to do, please, please pray for your pastor. Pray for me. Pray for the other leaders of this church. Pray for Noel. Pray for David. Pray for other leaders and other organizations. But pray for me. Because if you want to support me in my work, there is nothing better than you can do than to pray for me, to pray for our family. Pray for my own walk with the Lord and my own personal devotion to him, that I stay close to the Lord day by day. Believe it or not, just like you, in the midst of the busyness of life, when things ramp up and get busy and difficult and the demands of life come on me, time spent with the Lord can be the first thing to go. Just like you, I'm just like you. But just as Paul so often asked people to pray for him in his letters, I ask that you would pray for me. Pray that I stay close to the Lord. Pray that I I hear his voice and that I know his leading in my life and for this church. Pray that I have wisdom to know how to deal with difficult issues and conflict and how uh, to take the heart of Christ into pastoral issues that arise. Pray for me as I prepare my sermons and try to remain faithful to God's word that that I would speak clearly. Pray that I live a godly life and set an example that's worth living. Pray that I lead you well into mission and that I serve you and our community well as a faithful pastor and an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Pray for our family. The renowned minister Charles Spurgeon was once asked, what was uh, the secret to the effectiveness of his ministry? And you know what his answer was? Five words. My people pray for me. I could say more, but let me finish with this. In my ministry, I have never been more encouraged than coming away from a pastoral visit and the person I have just visited and ministered to ministered to me and says, I pray for you every day. Every day, I pray for you and your family. What a gift. What a gift. Just as I pray for you, I ask you to pray for me. Pray for my family. We've all probably experienced the burden and the challenge and the pain of bad leadership. And I don't get it all right all the time. I know that. And I'm sorry. But God gives us, he calls us to something more than that kind of leadership in his church. And he calls us to something more when it comes to honoring leaders in the church. Let's be a church where pastors lead and shepherd God's people well and diligently. And where you as members of the church honor faithful leadership well by supporting it, encouraging it, following it, imitating it, and working together to do the will of God in this place. And let's grow together in humble service and devotion to our King for the glory of His name.